share a message with you about the Holy Spirit called Scriptural Witnesses. Scriptural Witnesses. How many of you know that if we're going to study the things of the Holy Spirit, it better be in the Bible? Listen, listen. I love my grandmother very much. I was just talking about her today. Grandmother McKinney. And she was full of sage wisdom. I remember one day when she was uh, talking to my little brother. My little brother was dating a girl five years older than him. How many of you know there's nothing wrong with that? But I will tell you there were complications. She was 12 inches taller than him. She, you know, she was different. It was a different relationship situation. My brother was just enamored with being with an older woman. Okay? That's what I'm going to say, right? And, uh, and I'm not going to tell you which brother. That's not what we do. I got a lot of brothers, right? I'm not going to tell you which brother. No, I'm not going to tell you which brother. I love my brother. I'm not going to tell you which brother it was. I love all my brothers, all right? My grandmother would sit and listen to us. She would make iced tea for me and my brother, and we would meet at her house, and we'd bring our brown bags, and we would sit there and eat our, our lunch and talk, and grandmother would listen. And um, he was talking about this girl. My brother was talking about this girl. And, and it's not so much the story of my brother. It's not so much the story of the girl. It's my grandmother. She barked out real loud with her finger in his face, and she said, boy, don't you marry that girl. You'll be like a lost ball in tall weeds. Sage wisdom grandmother had. But listen to me carefully. I love all my grandmothers. I loved them. Um, they knew Jesus when they, went to, when they left this realm. And uh, I'm happy about that. I'm very excited about that. But I put my trust in this word over anything my grandmother's ever taught me. And I, and I love them, my grandmothers. I love them very much. We've got to, we've got to stop harboring things in our heart and life. We've got to make a concerted effort. To get the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Not what grandma taught you. Grandmas can teach you a lot of good things. And I absorbed all of the things that lined up with this word, and I just kind of reject what didn't. When I was in my youth and my 20s, I was foolish enough. On Sunday nights, once a month, we'd have an Ask the Pastor session. And I'd let people ask me anything they wanted. How many of you know how stupid that was? For a 20-something-year-old pastor to just let people ask them anything, you know, just any old thing, right? But I began to understand that I needed to postpone that. I wouldn't have a problem today having an Ask the Pastor session, but I'm 65 years old. There's a difference in the answers I would give you today. I learned never guess, never guess, don't speculate, amen? Just stick with the word, you know, yesterday, yes, thank you, sister. You know, yesterday was, was a great time. It was a great service because I saw in Jackie's life uh, some pretty powerful things. She caught on to what we do here real fast, real fast. Pursue God, and that what we teach? And she had a place where she read and she prayed and she pursued God, right? Share love, Amen. What's one of the slogans we like to use? Loved like family. I want to put it on a shirt one day. Loved like family at Life Spring Bible Church. Not to brag on Life Spring Bible Church, but to brag on what God is doing in Life Spring Bible Church. And then the building of the family. Once again, we know God builds the church, but are we usable in God's hands to help build the church? Amen? 
Are we tools in the hands of God? And I'm telling you, thank you for all of those of you that could make it. And I know many of you couldn't, but there was a good turnout. And Val knows she's loved and she's cared for. And her family, they know they're loved and cared for and prayed for. So why did I say all this? Well, we're teaching on the Holy Ghost. I can't think of a, um, a subject in the Bible, and this is awful for me to say this, but I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not just going to brush it over like it's one of the most divisive subjects in the Word of God. The Holy Spirit, the one that Jesus said, soon I'm leaving you, but I will send you another comforter. Jesus was on this earth and, and walked as a single human being. There were times when he drew crowds uh, bigger than, draw, than they draw at an NFL football game. And back then, that was a lot of people. There were times when he was crushed in by 100,000 people or more. Go back and read the Word of God. Figure it out. Do the math. You know, he was pressed in. And he could only be in one place at one time, really, in that physical body. But he was going to do something to the devil to shake him at his very roots. He was going to give us life for us. He was going to that tomb. He was going to be raised from the dead. And then he was going to ascend to the Father. And then he's going to send the Holy Ghost. And he did it. And now, really, the, the paradox is that Jesus is at, the right hand, is at the right hand of the Father. And everywhere at one time. By the power of the Holy Spirit. All I'm asking people to do when I teach on the Holy Spirit is do not limit the Word of God on the subject. Don't, don't get to where you cherry pick the verses that you like and reject the ones you don't like or the ones that you don't understand. And listen to me carefully. If you, if you want to be a spirit-filled Christian with the evidence of, of praying in tongues, then get it. Receive it in Jesus' name. And if you don't want to, don't do it. But don't reject the word on the subject. And you know why? It's safe for me to tell you what I just said. It's safe for me to tell you what I just said because nowhere in the Bible did God ever lay down, if you don't get filled with the Holy Ghost and pray in tongues, you can't enter my heaven. Now, I tell you, this is just the intro that I didn't plan. Are we okay? This is just what the Holy Spirit is telling me to, to lay in your laps tonight. All right? The thing about the Holy Spirit is that, that you need to understand uh, is that you may not want the Holy Spirit with a prayer language. You may not want that. But embrace the truth. Do not reject the truth. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you that uh, it's rising up on the inside of me. You've got to listen to me carefully. carefully. I want, this isn't in my notes, what I'm about to say. It's not there, right? We are about to... Um, Enter into a time where God is going to, we're going to be able to get around the altars. We're going to be able to, for me, I know that you don't have to have hands laid on you to receive the Holy Ghost. But for me, that's been kind of the way it works for me as a pastor. And guess what? I can't just bring people up here and line them up and lay hands on them right now. Can I? Not wise right now. But God keeps telling me, just hang on, son. Just hang on, son. Do you know that I can be preaching that and you can be sitting there and you can say, Father, I want to receive the Holy Ghost. You can receive it right there in your seat. Now, um, I heard a real well-known pastor. If I said his name, you'd know him, but I don't, I don't think it's my business to share his business with his name. But just listen to me. He said, I believe in the Holy Spirit because it's in the Bible. I believe in praying in tongues because it's in the Bible. And he said, I've had many people pray for me, but I've never, I've never uh, recognized the idea that I'd been filled and I prayed in tongues. I just haven't, and I don't know why. But here's what I love about him. He said, but I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with that. I stick with the Lord. I believe the word, you know. 
What the problem is that when most people um, who hear about the teaching of the Holy Spirit, they can remember a time in their life when they asked for the Holy Spirit or they wanted to receive the Holy Spirit, and they did not. And so they knew others that had been filled with the Holy Spirit that had a prayer language. And they thought lesser than. The devil, the demons of hell, will tell a child of God that wants to receive the Holy Ghost and pray in tongues, he'll whisper in the ear, in their ear, lesser than, you're not worthy. And the children of God, who are spirit-filled Christians that pray in tongues, some of them have um, conveyed that others were lesser than because they didn't. It is a lie from hell that if you don't pray in tongues, you're lesser than. That is a lie from hell. In the lives of people who will say lesser than, you're not worthy, lesser than, that is the basis for racism. It's the very basis for racism, and it shouldn't exist. Do you know that in the eyes of God, there is no lesser than when it comes to his children? You know, have you ever, you know, I've got a lot uh, of brothers and sisters, half brothers, half sisters. I got adopted brothers, I got adopted sisters. But my mother and my stepmother never made any of us feel lesser than any of the other brothers and sisters. That, I think that's a gift. I think it's a godly gift. Look, you remember when I said a few weeks ago, um, we have a reason to wear masks in this place, don't we, really? But what did I ask you as your pastor? And you have done it for me. I love you. Let's not be divided over COVID. Let's not be divided over masks. Let's please not be divided over precautions. And guess what? You've loved me anyway. And you just keep coming. And you're here. And we're praying over one another. We're not taking anything for granted. Right? But we've got to trust God. Right? But we can't believe that it just can't happen to us because it did. Didn't it? So, we're not going to be divided over masks. We're not going to be divided over precautions. We're here together tonight. We're learning the Word of God. We're being discipled even in the midst of a pandemic. Look, when the time comes and you want to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I've seen people receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit like they got hit by a bolt of lightning, knocked to the ground, started praying in an unknown tongue, and that ruins it for everybody who doesn't get it that way. Most people just lift their hands to heaven and pray and say, Lord, I want to receive the Holy Spirit, and they just begin to pray in tongues, and there, it's not a bolt of lightning experience. Why? Because everything we get from God, even the person that got knocked down by the bolt of lightning, we get what we get from God by faith. Just have faith in God. I believe he wants you to have everything he has for, him, for you, everything. I believe that everybody can be filled with the Holy Spirit and pray in tongues, but Look at this, i got to say, but look at the body of Christ with me. The people who don't pray in tongues are far outnumbered, or far outnumbered those who do pray in tongues. Am I right or wrong? Now, why is that? It's because the devil has the body of Christ befuddled over the Holy Spirit and his gifts. He's got a whole bunch of people convinced they're not worthy. You're lesser than. You don't go, oh, you don't pray in tongues. You know, da da da. Even and if you ever get the feeling that, you know, look, God never said in His Word that you can't go to heaven unless you're filled with the Holy Ghost and praying in tongues. That's not in the Bible. 
Can't we just stop and take a stand right in the middle of the Word of God, right in the middle of prayer, and, and tell the devil, that lying devil, to get away from us? Amen? I, I believe that more people could be filled with the Holy Ghost and pray in tongues, have a prayer language. I mean, even though it's not so you can show off anyway. It's not so you, you know, build you up in the eyes of people. Amen? What do you say we go to the Word of God and learn some things tonight? Um, yes, Pastor, preach. I, I'm, I'm there. <laughs> All right. Go with me to Acts chapter 8. Let's look at Acts chapter 8 tonight. Acts chapter 8. Have, uh, if I've offended anybody here tonight over what I just said, I'm not apologizing. All I did was tell you the truth. I just told you the truth. I'm not out to, it's not my goal to offend anybody, but, but I can't apologize for telling you the truth. I, I just, you know, it would take all of the authority out of what I said and what I did. Do you understand that? Thank you, all two of you. Appreciate that. Acts chapter 8, this is my introduction. In Acts chapter 8, it's the ministry of Philip in Samaria. That's where it's recorded. As we study this account, it becomes evident that salvation and the baptism in the Holy Spirit are two separate things. Two separate things. I'm going to show you in the Word of God. Look at chapter 8, Acts chapter 8. Let's start with verse 5. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. Isn't that exciting? What, what was going on? And later on in the, Acts, in, in the Acts of the Apostles, Philip's title changes. He's called something different. After what happened in places like in Acts chapter 8, um, it, Philip gets called an evangelist. Do you remember what I said about the fivefold ministry? The fivefold ministry apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. <clears throat> I'm telling you that down here on this end where the apostles are, every gift of the Spirit, you can find it in the lives of the apostles. And then prophets, a few, a few less. Evangelists, a few less. Pastors and teachers, there are many pastors and teachers out there that don't exercise any of the gifts of the Spirit at all. And, and, and they're out there, they're needful. I mean, to preach the gospel, to teach, amen, to see people saved, right? But I'm telling you, when the Holy Ghost shows up in a meeting, and He starts moving, and He starts doing, amen, and people start getting uh, set free and healed, and they're no longer crippled, and they're blind, and now they see uh, it says in verse 7, For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. Listen to me carefully. There's something important about the passage of Scripture here that pertained to Philip the evangelist because that's what he gets called later. He's in that office right now in this place. But notice that there were times when Paul and Peter were praying for people no, you go look now. I'm going to tell you this, and then you go find out for yourself. It said God healed them all. God healed them all. But Philip the evangelist did pretty good, didn't he? It says many, right? And many is more than we're seeing in the church today. Amen? Many is more than we're seeing today. We want to see more. 
Amen? All right, now look at verse 12. Drop down to verse 12. Uh, verse 8, though, one more time. So there was much joy in that city. Over what? People getting saved, people getting healed, people getting set free. Amen? Drop down to Acts chapter 8, verse 12. But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, for he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you personal reasons why this passage of Scripture means so much to me. I'm humbled by the fact that I've been able to see the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of people, in services, in church services, identical to this identical remember me telling you about the evangelist that I, I came into the ministry under man alive I saw a crippled woman healed you know I saw um, people uh, set free demonic set free um, not all of the gifts of the spirit were in operation but many were in the life of this evangelist because if all of them were in operation in the life of this evangelist he wouldn't be an evangelist he'd be a prophet or an apostle do you understand what I'm saying there's a measuring stick for these things and it's what the Holy Spirit does through the people that stand in the office in a, of a ministry gift does that make sense now now listen to me carefully we got we got to, I'm going to try to slow down a little bit where it's early yet right all right Philip who was later called Philip the evangelist in Acts chapter 21 verse 8 had a marvelous ministry in Samaria as seen in verses 7 and 8 Great and magnificent miracles were consistently being manifested in Philip's ministry, and many people were being saved. Always remember, what good would it do if every cripple in town uh, got healed and could walk but went to hell? That's why people getting saved is the greatest thing about the outpouring of the Holy Ghost is the lost being saved. Never forget that. It's one of the reasons why we don't see the outpouring of the Holy Ghost the way we have in the past or even in biblical times because our priorities are out of whack. What we want to see and what we want to have and what we want to experience is all about me, 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 me. It's all about my name is Jimmy and I want all you'll give me. And if you think that is slightly humorous, I don't know how many times I've caught myself saying, my name is Carl, I want all you'll give me. You know, there's hardly a pastor in this land worth their weight in salt if they don't stand up in the pulpit and say how they've learned what they've learned, if they've learned anything. I've learned by doing many things wrong. You hear me? I don't want to do them wrong again. I don't want to do them wrong again. Amen? Now, here's some things I want you to notice. In Acts chapter 8, how many people does it say received the Holy Spirit under Philip's ministry? How many? None. Not a single person. The Word of God never mentions anything about God using Philip to get people filled with the Holy Ghost. There were lots of people saved. Good thing. Great thing. Amen. Lots of sick people were healed. Oh, praise God. Check that off. 
Lots of people that were demon-possessed were set free. Check that off. That's all. All of that's good, right? All of that's good. And all of this news comes back to Jerusalem that Philip is, is preaching and ministering in, in this city, and many people are being set free, many people being saved, many people being healed, all good things, right? But there was a need, and the leadership in Jerusalem wanted to meet that need, and what was that need? People weren't being filled with the Holy Ghost. You get, you get what I'm saying here? Evidently, at least at this point, it was not part of Philip's ministry, but getting folks saved and healed was. Nothing wrong with that. Amen? However, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard about the wonderful things God had done through Philip's ministry in Samaria, they sent Peter and John to lay hands on the new Samaritan believers so that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Why? Because that kind of sort of wasn't a part of Philip's ministry. I can tell you for me, this has hurt me so much in this pandemic because laying on of hands is important to me. And the pandemic hit just as we were moving in that direction as a church. Now, pay attention to this. Like I said, there's no record that anyone whom Peter and John laid their hands on failed to receive the Holy Ghost. We don't have any failures to receive the Holy Ghost listed in these scriptures when Peter and John showed up. This is most likely, Peter and John, this is because most likely, uh, Peter and John had more of a ministry along the line of laying hands on people and them getting filled with the Holy Ghost, right? Philip had one ministry. Peter and John had a different ministry. Do you understand what I'm saying when there are ministries out there that work kind of along a certain line? The Holy Ghost uses them kind of along a certain line. It's not that they're limited. God, the Holy Ghost can use them any way he wants to use them. But just like that man I told you about that was um, praying for the sick or praying for people. I don't remember what the need is. But a young girl came up and said, please pray for me. I have cancer. And she told him what kind of cancer it was. He said, stop right there. He said, I want to send you to my wife. Because God seems to use her extremely consistently in praying for this particular malady. And I want my wife to pray for you. Well, he knew. It's not an ego thing. She wants me to pray for her. I should anoint her and pray for her. No, he said, go to my wife. Let my wife pray for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Peter and John had this ministry of being able to lay hands on people and them get filled with the Holy Ghost. And evidently, Philip's ministry didn't work quite like that. Is there anything wrong with understanding that? The leadership in Jerusalem saw that the only need they had of it in the Samaritan church was to send people there to get them filled with the Holy Ghost because people were getting saved and people were getting healed. And it wasn't a slam on Philip's ministry. It was an enhancement of Philip's ministry. I don't see anywhere in there where Philip said to the church in Jerusalem, sent a note and said, I don't see why you're sending, why are you sending Peter and John here. This is my church. This is my thing. God's using me. No, we don't see that in the life of Philip. We see life, the life of Philip develop as an evangelist, and we see God using Philip, and, and he wasn't really one of the apostles. He's one of the first table servers. Amen? But he grew in the ministry. He was a deacon in the early church, right? Just like Stephen. Stephen was so strong in the Lord. I started to mention this in my praise of God earlier. Jesus has ascended to the Father, seated at his right hand, and the only account we ever have him standing up was to greet Stephen when Stephen was being stoned to death. Jesus Christ himself rose from his seat and received 
Stephen into heaven. And you know who held the coats of the men that killed Stephen? Paul. Who would go on to be used as one of, if not the greatest apostle out there. And he wasn't even with Jesus in his lifetime. And he tried to kill everybody that followed him before he got saved. Amen? It says in Acts 8, 17, then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. It's a blanket statement. Everyone that they laid their hands on evidently got the Holy Ghost. Do you know the Holy Ghost, the Bible doesn't mince words. If it says this happened, it happened. Amen? If less than that happened, it says less than that happened. If more than whatever happened, then that's what happened. Amen? Are you with me? These verses helped me as a young minister to see that there's an experience subsequent to or following salvation called the infilling or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you don't believe in this, then I'm going to warn you that you believe something that it isn't true. The truth is in the Word of God. If you believe that the Holy Spirit is not for today, if you believe that praying in tongues is not for today, you believe something contrary to this book. Let me tell you how dangerous that is. They say, oh, I already know it's dangerous. No, you don't. I'm telling you, I'm warning you, if you can find one thing in this book you don't agree with, trash the book because it's no good to you. If one thing isn't accurate, how can you trust the rest of it? You either make up your heart and mind that the book is real. This is the only thing, brothers and sisters, you've got to turn to. You can't trust the news. Amen? But you can trust this book. And if you think I'd get angry about it, you'd daggum right I'd do. I'd get angry about it. And you know, I, I'm so filled with pity sometimes for the people that want to bone pick, cherry pick the Word of God. I like this, but I don't like that. I believe in this, but I don't believe in that. Don't play that dangerous game. Amen? All right. However, though things were going great in the Samaritan church, lots of people were getting saved. However, the apostles didn't believe that these converts had everything the Holy Spirit had to offer. I'm your pastor. I want you to have everything the Holy Spirit has to offer. Amen? Uh, otherwise, why would they have sent Peter and John to them so the Samaritans could receive the infilling of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? If they, didn't, if they couldn't use it, if it wasn't going to do anything good for them, why send Peter and John? Peter and John was going to do something that Philip wasn't doing. How many of you know that every preacher doesn't meet every need? Every man of God, every woman of God doesn't meet every need in every person's life. That's why there's so many different churches out there with so many different names on them. My fear, though, is that there's so many of them out there with so many different names on them, Jesus isn't in a bunch of them. I can't live that way. i got to have the Spirit of God and the Word of God working in my life. I, if I felt that I could not do anything about it in this church, I would not remain. I wouldn't remain. I'd go somewhere, you know, Jesus said, knock dust off your feet and go somewhere where they appreciate it, what you have to say. Some people ask the question, why did Peter and John have to pray for the Samaritan believers to receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit? Why couldn't Philip just pray for them to receive himself? One of the things we have to remember, that we all have a place in the plan of God. Philip had a place in the plan of God. Peter and John had a place in the plan of God. And you have a place in the plan of God. You have a place. You're not lesser than. Amen? You're not lesser than. I wrote, why couldn't Philip just pray for them to receive himself? Well, that wasn't his gift, so to speak. 
It wasn't his thing. I thought that what he was doing was pretty good, though. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I thought it was great. We all need to find that place and do what God wants you and me to do. Amen? God has not called all of us to minister in the same identical way. He's not given all, we, he has not given us all the same gifts, right? Philip had a great ministry. Can anyone argue that point? No, wouldn't even begin to try. I don't believe he can. What I, have, what I have taught in the past still remains true. Anyone can lay hands on people for the purposes of prayer. Anyone, and we all should. It's something that's in the Word, amen? As a matter of fact, that truth is extremely scriptural. I'm telling you, you know why I love to lay hands on a lot of people is because you never know when that time that you're about to do it, when the Holy Spirit is going to strike like a bolt of lightning and heal a crippled person. You know, uh, I knew a guy in high school. He said, uh, I date a lot of girls because I ask a lot of girls, and the ratio, the percentages are in my favor. If I ask enough girls, one of them will say yes, right? Now, don't compare that to the things of God, right? But if you're willing to step out in faith and anoint with oil and lay hands on people and pray for them according to the word, the more people you pray for, the more, more results you'll see. You know, just check your heart. Ask the Lord to reveal to you the right reasons for doing it. Amen. But I want to tell you, I, I, I've been that person that reached out there to, to lay hands on somebody and the bolt of lightning hit, shoot straight up in the air, start dancing the spirit. But I've told you the truth before, and I'll tell you again. I didn't quite get my hand to her shoulder. I didn't even get my hand to her shoulder. So you see, I've, I've told you I can't take credit for laying hands on the lady, right? But it wasn't until I reached for her that the Holy Spirit struck her, lifted her up in the air, bounced her on her feet, and set her to dancing. And she was dying. She was a crippled person who was dying, and God healed her. Now, I will tell you that that's not just for the apostle. That's not just for the prophet. That's not just, it's for people who will exercise faith in God, obey the Lord. You can lay hands on and pray for and anoint with oil any needs you come across. Who knows what God will do if we obey him. Amen? Peter and John, on the other hand, had a ministry more along the line of bringing believers into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When they laid their hands on the Samaritans, they received the Holy Ghost. I want you to turn your attention now to Acts chapter 19, the first seven verses. And it happened, uh, verse 1, And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. Now, I'm going to tell you something you're going to find hard to believe, but these people were baptized under the hand of John, and then for wherever they went, because it isn't like today, someone can drop dead in the streets of New York City, and we can know about it tonight on the television, can't we? Back then it wasn't like that. All of those things that Jesus came and did, they were not aware of. They weren't aware of it. I can't help it. I don't know why. They could have been 100 miles away and never heard the news. I'm telling you, that is, that is just the way it was back then. And, and, you know, we may be over inundated with the news today, and I believe we are, and you can't trust half of it, but you can trust the book, and you can trust God. Amen? So what did Paul say? And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, 
They got baptized again first, right? They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. I baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus. They were immersed, right? And then instantly, right after that, and when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. And what did we learn? That the Holy Spirit can come on you. You can be given a prayer language. You can praise God in the Spirit. Amen. And they prophesied. It was the simple gift of prophecy. They weren't standing there predicting the future. Have we not learned that? We've learned that, haven't we? They stood there talking about the great things of God. All of a sudden, they're no longer uninformed. They're informed by the Holy Ghost. And they prophesy. The simple gift of prophecy. They speak the magnificent things of God. So they spoke in tongues. And then they spoke in their known language. And they prophesied. Isn't that powerful? Ooh, man. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. Have you ever thought, how could these disciples never heard of the Holy Spirit? We can safely determine that these 12 people were not in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. This is recorded in Acts chapter 2. They weren't there, right? The fact that they were woefully informed doesn't surprise me at all. The way things are today, it's hard to believe that anything can happen in the world that we wouldn't hear about in the news in short order. In this chapter, in Acts 19, I'm reminded that in those days, if we were 100 miles away from an event, you may never hear or have heard the news. These people had heard John the Baptist preach and tell, the one, tell that one with a capital O was coming who would save them from their sins. They believed John's message and they were baptized by John. Somehow, though, they were not familiar with the message of Jesus and the work he accomplished in this world. They were walking only in the light of what they had. So Paul taught them they needed to know what they needed to know and proceeded to baptize them in the name of Jesus and immediately laid hands on them and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. There's no suggestion that waiting for a long period of time is a requirement. That's one of the things I want you to learn. It's not a requirement to wait a long time. In conclusion, I have two thoughts. Two or three sentences. That's it. We're done. In conclusion, two important thoughts. One, as we have seen, salvation and the baptism of the Holy Spirit are two separate experiences. Am I right or wrong? According to the Word, they're two separate experiences, right? Uh, first, as we have seen, salvation and the baptism of the Holy Spirit are two separate experiences, although the Holy Spirit is involved in both supernatural events. Does that make sense? It's not one Holy Spirit shows up to save you and another Holy Spirit shows up later to fill you to overflowing with the Holy Ghost. It's the same Holy Ghost. Same supernatural beings. Amen? Second of all, in all these scriptures we have examined, there's no evidence that believers are required to wait a long time to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I challenge people one day, show me in the Word of God where it says anything about asking for the Holy Spirit. And guess what? We... I, not only did I get shown a, a, a scripture, Jesus himself said, ask for the Holy Spirit, and I'll give them to you, right? There's another scripture out there. But, but let me just say this. At the day of Pentecost, from there forward, you don't hear anything about asking for the Holy Ghost. You have the word receive the Holy Spirit as it pertains to the baptism of the Holy Spirit over and over, and over, and over, and over, and over again. So that the number of times after Pentecost where it's told to receive the Holy Spirit, what did they say in that scripture tonight? Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Am I right or wrong? 
go back and look. After the day of Pentecost, over and over and over again, it talks about receiving. It's, how many of you know, what if I called my dad and I said, Dad, I want a gift. I want a gift, Dad. Please give me a gift. Is a gift something that really, that you had to ask for? No, no. My dad um, sent me a package last year. He saw some knives that he liked a lot, and he thought his son would like these knives, and he bought them, and he sent them to all of us and surprised us. And to be honest with you, my dad in his 80s, you think he's past the age of giving gifts. But every one of his sons received a gift from their father. A really nice knife, right? I want you to just lean in the direction of understanding it's about receiving. It's about putting it yourself in a place to receive the Holy Ghost, all right? There's something special coming. I, I don't know how to describe it. I don't know what else to say about it. Um, but this, these restrictions that we have on our life, they're not going to last forever. They're not. And God is going to remove fear from the equation, all right? And apprehension from the equation. Um, I'm telling you that this is one of the strongest things that I believe the devil's ever gotten away with in this world is uh, keeping children of God out of each other's space. I've never seen the likes of it. I don't like it, and I'm not happy about it. I, have I made that clear? That, you know, so I'm praying, God, do whatever you need to do in me. I repent, I whatever. I, I'm, I'm at the every day. I say, thank you, Father, for helping me live a repentant lifestyle. Anything that I can do to contribute to this time passing, that's in my prayer life. Because brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to be able to get together around these old-fashioned altars of the church. You know, we did not build them just to set up here and, and decorate. When lots of churches were getting the altars furniture out of their church, we had Jack build us two. And then we said, Jack, build us two more. Because the devil don't like it. Build us two more. Right, Jack? Jack, build us four. Right? All right. I love you very much. You know, we've only been here an hour and 15 minutes. That's nothing. When we get to heaven, we'll be with the angels, millions of angels singing, holy is the Lord. You know, a million angels fall down on the floor crying, holy, holy, holy. Amen? Oh, listen, child of God. This time is going to pass. You know, every time I speak words of faith and physically it looks different than what I said, I just say, Lord, I just want to go deeper now. I want to go deeper. I want to talk more about your desires. I want to talk more about the infilling of your Holy Spirit. I want to talk more about us going deeper, pursuing you, Father. I, I just can't, I can't let the devil stop me. I can't let him stop me. I can't let him win, you know. So what am I telling you? Pursue God. Amen. Share love. Amen. Be loved like family. Be loved like family. I'm telling you, if you really believe this message, though, you know what? The last thing in the world I ever want to do is shackle you with um, things. Shackle you with you. You should, you should feel bad. You need to do this. No. But if you really believe... That this is the kind of place that will disciple people and teach people to pursue God and to share love and to become a part of the family. 
If you really believe that, you tell somebody. We've reached a point in life where we're embarrassed to talk to people about coming to church. Not all of us, but some of us. Don't get some heavy weight on you now about that. If you recognize it, say, Father, mm, I'm tagged. Help me with this. I, I, and you know what? A lot of people are timid. A lot of people uh, don't like to talk about things like this. I can take a hint. <laughs> Stand with me. Look, we're, look, we're, this revival, we talk about this revival so much. Me and, and Gloria and, and Connie, you know, and Kathy and on and on and on. We talk about this revival. Melinda, all of you out there. You uh, even caught Eunice and, and uh, you know, just Vicky and Malcolm. Talk about, don't stop talking about it. You know, there's not a person in this room that, that goes here regularly that I haven't talked to about that revival, right? Because we're on the cusp of it. It's right there. Reach out and grab it, right? There, reach out and grab it. The devil's telling you you're never going to have it. He's a liar. You know what? Please don't get mad at me, but sometimes I rejoice when I hear those things because I know the devil has never come to me in my lifetime and told me one single truth. If he bothers to open his mouth, he's lying to me, right? And he's told me, revival, there ain't no revival. We talk about revival. Don't, look so, don't make yourself look foolish. I start raising my hands. I start moving back and forth. I ain't got no rhythm. So, but I start moving back and forth, and I start worshiping God because the devil has bothered to come and tell me a lie. All right? Be set free from that in Jesus' name. Also, pray about this. One more thing. I'm going to put this out there. Everybody that's viewing can hear this. I don't care. And then we'll stop the broadcast. We're praying for the ability in our church to help, help, get help with our sound system so that everybody in the church, even those that wear hearing aids, can hear the sound better, can hear the words I'm speaking. And we're going to need a miracle for that. We're a small church. The technology can be kind of spendy, but how many of you know God doesn't care about the spending part of it? All right? So we've got to find the equipment. And then we're going to raise the money, and we're going to make it happen. Amen? Nobody should, nobody should sit in this church and not be able to hear and understand the life-giving words uh, that we're preaching. Amen? Father, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you once again for the love that is shed abroad in our hearts by you, none other than the God of the universe. Father, we couldn't even love each other properly and, and, and correctly without you in our lives. Father, we're trusting you for everything. Uh, we're, we're trusting you that this teaching on the Holy Ghost is going to make us wiser, Father. And that whether we pray in tongues or we don't pray in tongues, we'll seek your face, Father. We allow you to move through us. The Holy Ghost can speak through a, a, a donkey. He can speak through me. He can speak through other people. He can flow through. He can do whatever he wants to do. Father, we just don't want to be limiting ourselves in what the Holy Ghost uh, wants to do to and through our lives, Father. Help us to know, Lord, uh, that we have allowed too many things in the body of Christ to be hindered because of a lack of faith. Heal us, forgive us, heal us, bolster our faith, Father. Help us just accept the Word of God for being the truth. No sense in arguing, no sense in being divided over the Word. Father, help us to be united because the place of unity is a place of power. The place of agreement is where things get done. That's where things happen, Father. That's where the Holy Ghost gets poured out, Father. That's where the lost get saved. That's where the crippled get healed, the blind see, Father. Uh, the possessed are set free. Those chains are broken in the mighty name of Jesus. 
Mm. Mm. Oh, Father, help us to understand that those things that you've been talking to are about our lives. Uh, you know, we could share some of it with other people, and they'd say maybe, oh, that ain't so bad. Lord, anything you tell me that stands in the way of your work in my life, it's bad. I don't want it. Thank you, Father, for healing each and every one of us spiritually that needs to be healed tonight. May we never hear things like the baptism of the Holy Spirit and let a little bit of anger rise up in us or maybe jealousy. Or none of that. We reject all of it. In Jesus' name, we just accept the truth of your word. Lord, even now, I'm praying for the preparation of the hearts of people. Let them know, Lord. You know, I went home, Father. You know what I did. I went home. I got something to eat. I went to my room, and I said, I'm going to do it. And I got down on my knees by my bed. And I received the Holy Ghost. I prayed in tongues for a while. I rose from my feet. I got into bed and slept like a baby. Because I prayed the mysteries of God. Mm. I prayed the mysteries of God. I am not to be envied over that. Um, there's no honor in me for that. That's honor of the Holy Ghost. Thank you for manifesting yourself in my life. Thank you for manifesting yourself in the lives of your people here. We're all in preparation. Soon, soon and very soon, the outpouring will manifest. The outpouring will manifest. We can receive the Holy Ghost wherever we are. We can receive the Holy Ghost wherever we are, even now in this place. Even now in this place where we stand. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mm. Father, you have been wonderful to us, your children, in this place tonight. You reminded us of so many good things. Lord, may we have the help, the fire of the Holy Ghost. Burn these truths tonight into our life. We give you honor, glory, and praise for it, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you and fellowship together.